Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Welcome to the Future Tech Podcast. I'm Alan Thomas. Today I have with me David P. Mariani founder and CEO of At Scale. How you doing, David? Doing great, Alan. Oh, glad, glad to have you with us. Uh, let's just uh, let's jump right in and, and have you tell us a little bit about At Scale. Who are you guys? What do you do? Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit that what At Scale does is that we connect uh, business users to uh, data regardless of where it is stored or how it's stored, um, and really data of any size, especially big data. Um, so uh, the company actually came to be um, really starting uh, the, the the genesis for the idea for AppScale came out of uh, out of Yahoo. So I was running the central data group at Yahoo almost 10 years ago now, and uh, Yahoo was big data before we had the term big data. Uh, our data got too, too too large to be able to store on on an Oracle data warehouse, and we invented this new technology called Hadoop, which is now known as a data lake. Um, which was fantastic because it allowed us to store and capture all the data that we were generating from our websites and from all the internet advertising we were doing. But the problem I had was making that data accessible and usable by the business. And that's where things sort of fell apart for us. So even though we were able to capture all this great granular data with this rich and uh, could really make a, a difference in the business, I had to make big data small, which is main, mainly take that data that was landing in Hadoop in this new data lake and put it right back into Oracle or build physical cubes 
or send data to different business intelligence tools so that it could be usable. So what I wanted is I wanted, uh, I wanted something that allowed us to leave the data where it was um, and to interface with business users with however they wanted to consume data, whether it was Excel or Tableau or, um, or Click or MicroStrategy or any of the other dozens of business intelligence tools that people were used to using. So at scale was specifically born out of this problem then. I mean, you needed it for yourself and it kind of, and it, it kind of grew. Kind of grew out of necessity. Yeah, so we, you know, so I, I left Yahoo and went to a company called Clout, where we did social media scoring, and uh, had the same problem there. And it was always that last mile of how do we get the analytics to the business so that they can make money or save costs. And uh, and it was that last mile that was the problem. And I got sick and tired of having to complain about this problem. Um, and so we decided that with me with a bunch of ex Yahoos. We broke off and started started at scale, and we really built the product for us. Um, and it turns out that a variety of different companies across a number of different industries, from financial services like Visa and Wells Fargo um, and J.P. Morgan Chase, we have lots of, of healthcare-related companies like United Healthcare and Aetna and Cigna and Glaxo, Smith Klein. Companies like um, uh, uh, like Liberty Mutual and Manulife. We got retailers like Home Depot. Um, we have CPG companies like Kraft and Tyson. We have manufacturers like Dell, Applied Materials, Toyota. Just a variety of different companies and in different industries that all basically were suffering the same problem that I had at Yahoo, which is how do I get data to the people that need it without all the compromise, all the data movement. And all the uh, and all the the connections that, that go along with making data accessible uh, to the people who need it. I, I love I love that term ex Yahoo. <laughs> and, uh, and and when you and, and when you figure out okay you figure out the the you start to figure out the answer to this problem of what to do with all this data and how do you capture the attention of these large brands that you mentioned in order to let them know. Like, look, I have the solution. You should come over here and talk to me. That's a good question, Alan, because that's really probably our, our biggest challenge is that, is that um, when people see you and, and when I'm able to uh, present the solution to these types of companies, uh, the response is usually one of two responses. Where have you been all my life um, is one. And the other is like, uh, that, that's too good to be true. So it's, we definitely have something in an approach that's very unique. But it's new, and it's a different approach to solving the problem. So, the, the, so our our whole you know our whole sort of goal in life is to let people know and let the industry know that there's a different way of solving this problem other than making big data small, which is what everybody does, and which is I was doing in all my life as a as a data engineer. So we have to get the word out, and when we get the word out, people want it. They want it for the same reasons I wanted it, which is it gives them flexibility. It makes their life easier. It gives them the. It gives their their customers, their business users, access to all the data they need. But it's safe. It's secure. There's no data copying. Uh, there's there's no ETL. Uh, there's not all the the crud that goes along with making that data accessible. And they love that. And so let's say that I'm one of these large brands, and and I've talked to you, and I figured out, okay. Yeah, I, I not, let's say I'm in that first camp. Where have you, where have you been all my life? 
So where where would we start? What would that look like the first day or the first week of working? With you? Yeah, typically what we do is uh, because where have you been all my life? It usually, it usually does follow up with uh, um, that, that's too good to be true. So so <laughs> what that looks up, Alan, is it ends up being a POC, a proof of concept. So typically uh, these large brands will say, well, wow, I got I got a bunch of use cases. So let's pick a couple use cases. We go and we uh, install our software, um, point it to their data, give them access to whatever BI tools they have, and usually they have dozens, um, and we pick a couple and we prove it to them. Once we prove it to them, we already have that first use case really uh, done, um, and then we, we really fan out from there. And then in terms of just getting to this point, uh, what, what were the initial difficulties that you had when you first had the idea or when, or when the group of you had the idea to start your own, start your own company or to start at scale. Well, you know, there's a couple. Of, so I'll, I'll tell you, there's the technical, the technical side, and then there's the business side. So let's start with the business side. On the business side, of course, uh, you know, we're not independently wealthy people. Uh, we had to, and we had to fund what's really a, 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 an enterprise software company, which is pretty resource or pretty capital intensive. So that meant raising money. Now, the difficulty initially with raising money on an idea that is new and it doesn't have other parallels was difficult. So most of the people and most of the companies in our space that were being funded were being funded to do it the old-fashioned way. They were making big data small, meaning that they, were, they had their own way of storing data and they were moving data into their own platforms, or they decided they were going to dictate the visualization interface, how users would interact with their software. And that was completely different than us, which said, you know what, leave the data wherever it is and we'll take advantage of it. And you choose which tool you want to access your data with. Um, so a lot of VCs, that was very foreign to them. And they saw us as, wow, well, you guys look like middleware. Um, and, uh, and that's a tough business. And so we had to really um, get through after, you know, the first couple rounds of, of funding, and once they started to see the customers that we closed and the brand names, then they said, okay, wow, this must be right. And now everybody says, oh, of course, of course you do it the at scale way because that's the best architecture. And of course people want to buy that. Well, that's not what they said in the beginning. So we had to first get across that, that hurdle. On the technical side, it was very difficult. It's very difficult to do what we say because the data platforms, there are many. And they're not necessarily made for high-speed queries. So we had to make them appropriate for high-speed queries. For the BI tools, there's many, and they all have a different way of talking to those databases. And so we had to support the variety of BI tools to be able to be this universal semantic layer and have the value prop that we do. So it was a, both a very difficult technical problem, and at least initially, it was very difficult to get the capital to actually go do this. Wow, so you so you've definitely cleared a lot of hurdles in order to get to this point. Now, now, so in saying that, what are what are some of the past projects that you've had, or any favorite wins up to this point in terms of projects that you guys have worked on? Yeah, you know, when when it comes to you know what I love is like I love the fact that you know we're in this time where data isn't isn't is really in flux, and it's very it's some there's some really extreme transformations going on, Alan. Um, you know, and one of the transformations, of course, is that big data has gotten big very fast, and the BI tools that were born really in the 80s and early 90s 
are not suitable to be able to handle this new data explosion, nor are they suitable to handle the types of data that we're generating today. You know, I just installed uh, uh, a, 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 a internet-connected sprinkler um, controller. Um, that's generating all kinds of data, and it's not the data that was traditionally rows and columns that we used to load our relational databases with. Um, so, so I'm very proud of the fact that we're able to handle these new, da this, these new data types at the volume and make that accessible. And for companies like Home Depot, where they were restricted to a very small view of data to manage their, uh, their 3,000 store managers trying to manage their services revenue, very, a very small slice of data was available to them because the, the applications and the BI platforms were just not big enough to be able to give them more than one month's worth of data. Well, we're really proud that we're able to give them more than that, uh, as, me as much as they want, without the latency and the, 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 the multi-day latency that they had before. So now Home Depot and Home Depot store managers can do a much more effective job at managing um, their services uh, and their customer service in all their stores. We also are very proud of the fact that we were able to help a company like Home Depot not just make the transition to big data, but also make the transition from on-premise to the cloud. So, uh, in the so it's a in the almost within with a, with a, in about a year and a half, they were able to make a transformation to big data and then move from on-premise to the cloud, all without disrupting those 3,000 store managers because they never knew the difference. And so, we're really proud of being able to help them do that. And that was going to be my my main question. My next question, as you were talking about that. For 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 an entity the size of a Home Depot or 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 someone similar, how long how long does that take to get prepped to make the transition? I know you said it takes around a, a year and a half to complete the whole thing, but just to just for the prep work on the front end, how I mean for a, like I said for an entity that large, how long does that does that take to even get ready for it? Well, you know, for in Home Depot's case, this is they they made the choice to change and go from on prem to the cloud, so it didn't take them a year to do this. It's just over a course of a year and a half, they made these major changes. But for an at-scale customer, Alan, what's really, it's uh, because we don't move data, which means we don't have to now ETL or write extraction code to take data from its source to make it fit with at-scale. So that really removes a big barrier to getting instant, really, uh, instant value out of at-scale. Also, we don't have to retrain users to learn our visualization interface, our BI tools, because they already are using the tools they already know and love, like Tableau or Excel. So we can get started and deliver value really in days for our customers versus traditional approaches, which require months or sometimes even years before you actually see any value. And so when you're working on these different projects for these various entities, are, are, there, are there ever is there ever a time where one of them comes to you and, and they're asking for some specific idea or development that maybe they've come up with. And you say, well, that might be unrealistic to do today, but maybe further down the road. Is there anything like that that ever kind of comes up? Um, yeah. You know, a, a, a big customer in Canada has asked us for, um, they love the semantic layer and they love to be able to plug different BI tools into our platform, but their CFO is bothering them to say, I want a natural language interface. Um, I want to be able to ask a question to at scale that says, you know, uh, you know, what were, you know, what was my top selling item 
uh, in uh, last year and what was it the year before. And so that's, that's a very different way of querying data versus today where you typically are dragging and dropping different data elements. And so, uh, and so we were able to, we, well, we, we weren't able to deliver that ourselves because that's not our business. We were able to find a partner to be able to, that did provide natural language query and visualizations and partner with them to work on the AppScale platform so that they could get that kind of functionality. And in terms of a roadmap for AppScale, what can we expect to see the next, let's say, 12 to 24 months? Yeah, what we're really excited about is uh, is a couple a couple major thrusts. Number one is that um, now that we're able to access a variety of different data platforms, people want to be able to intermix data. For example, data that's in Oracle with data that's in the cloud um, in something like Google BigQuery. And so we're providing the capabilities to federate that data, model it in one application we call Design Center. Um, but be able to provide that seamless federation to business users. So now they don't have to care about data locale, whether it's in the cloud or on-premise, um, and they can, uh, they can access it uh, seamlessly, uh, and IT can control where that data stays. So we can do that today already, but what we uh, within a data source, so we're going to be able to federate across. The other major sort of development is to, we call it adding the I back to BI adding the intelligence back to business intelligence. And that means not just helping the user ask questions faster, but actually give them answers before they've actually asked the question. And that means using machine learning uh, with all the semantics that the users have told us about, with using all the signals where they have asked questions, we can start to anticipate their questions and give them answers before they've asked for it. So, uh, so that's going to be a big thrust of really adding the intelligence back to business intelligence. Wow. So it would be, uh, so it would be pretty much completely intuitive then at that point if it's an, actually anticipating questions just based on what you're yeah, yeah. speaking about. I want to over this. It's not, you know, it's not, not to get too far ahead of ourselves. Like, but things that are simple, like, you know, a lot of times we, we, we require people to find the needle in the haystack and we can help them find that needle a lot faster if we just close off some paths that are going to be dead ends. So we can say, for example, hey, you know what, here's interest, there's interesting concentration of data within this intersection, but there's not outside of that. So it's really like guided analytics and guiding the user so that they don't have to spend time asking questions that are that have fruitless answers. Ah, I get it. So so you basically just close off all the unnecessary doors to kind of focus in that much quicker on where it is, what answer it is you're trying to get. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And in terms of, of what, was, what, would there be, what would be the big takeaway that you want our listeners to get from this interview about at scale? What, what are any final thoughts or big takeaways that they should be kind of centered on? Well, you know what? I, I think that, that, that we've, we've lived through, and, and, the, and the founders and, and the team here at AppScale has, has, has lived through some pretty major transformations. And we have a big, big transformations in data today. Data has gotten too big for BI tools to be able to handle. Uh, data is moving from traditional relational types of, types of data stores to non-relational data stores like a data lake. And now data is moving from on-premise to the cloud. So, so enterprises have to worry about not just how the data is stored, but now where it's stored. And so with that scale, we were really born to solve this problem. 
to give enterprises the flexibility of storing data in the platforms where it makes the most sense and to allow their business, their business users to choose the best way to consume that data. And we're the only, we're the only people out there, and I say this sincerely, we're the only people out there that can provide that kind of experience. And so we're very proud, about, proud of that, um, and we'd love to help and help our customers to be successful and, and migrate through these data transformations with the least amount of pain possible. And, and what's the best way for people who are interested to get in touch with you guys, get in touch with AtScale? So, um, you know what? It's, just go to www.atscale.com. It's A-T-S-C-A-L-E.com. Um, and uh, and you, can, you can find everything you need there. Uh, you can request a trial uh, or request a demo. Um, and we have tons of use cases, um, customer stories, uh, um, detail about the platform and the architecture. Uh, so there's a lot of great content, as well as great, great blogs in our big maturity survey, big data maturity survey, which has a great statistics about what other companies and customers are doing. Okay, great. Well, well, thank you, David, for coming onto the podcast and and giving us a lot to think about, and just thank you for your for for your time and and your information. Thank you so much, Alan. Appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, in their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000-plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.